Make, the podcast about making, creativity, and why we do what we do as makers and creatives. I'm your host, Vincent Ferrari. Joining me as always, my good friend and co-host, Ethan Carter. What is up, Vincent? Welcome back, buddy. Oh my gosh, it's been forever. I know. It's like, how are the kids? Yeah. Well, <laughs> neither of us have them, but, uh, <laughs> but I'm assuming they're well, you know. You know, eventually. If, if there's ones I don't know about, I'm assuming they're well. Wow. Wow. Yeah, sorry. We're in that Carter life. Yeah. Brand new year. No. Oh, new year, new children. That's usually <laughs> the way it goes. Wow, it's been a little while since we did this. And, and it's funny. I mean, we, we text back and forth, you know, periodically and, well, quite frequently. But it, it is weird to have someone that you talk to every week for, you know, hour and a half, two hours to go from that to like not talking to some the, them, you right? Like it is. And and that just goes to show by the way how much of a break I felt like I needed from just yeah. everything. Oh totally. Like it's like, you know, just just the occasional you and I checking in on each other and that right. was about all the communication we did. It's like right. the two of us just went into like the cone of isolation for like two weeks. Oh, absolutely. I mean and and social media and stuff like that was much much less involved and you know I think that I think that's I think that's a good thing sometimes. I think it's necessary to kind of step away and kind of totally. regroup, you know. I haven't even post I haven't posted on Instagram in a week. Which, yeah, and that's right. You know, you know me and Instagram is right. like we're we're BFFs and it's <laughs> not a whole lot going on. But you know, it's just I find I I I found it really hard to get motivated mm-hmm. like amidst all the um the craziness of the holidays which really mm-hmm. weren't that crazy no, I for know, me. It's weird. Honestly yeah. just, just you know even like New Year's I I sent a picture so I was chatting with um I was texting with one of my friends and I said she goes are you having a wild party tonight I'm like no not even close and then I sent the next morning she goes what you you sleep okay? I'm like, oh yeah, it was great. It was totally great. I said, here's how I rang out 2019. Here's how I rang out 2020. It was a picture of me holding Tom, and then here's a picture of how I rang in 2021. It was me holding Tom. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Nothing yeah. changed. It was exactly the same thing. So, uh, yeah, no, totally. I, 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 I it, it was funny. I mean, I always around the holidays, I find myself not being, not posting as much, and some of it's because of. Um, I'm making presents for people. And so I can't post for that reason. Uh, but this year, I mean, there was, there was some of that, but this year it's just like, even though I was on vacation and I had more time than ever, I just didn't feel it, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I just said, you know what? I, I'm giving, yeah, I'm giving myself, I don't care about the, algorithm, you know, I don't care about any of that. Like I'm just going to do, I'm going to do what feels right. And, and so, yeah. So, I, I mean, that was much quieter. And then recently I've come back more, but you know, yeah. I feel like I feel like that's something that a lot of people did, you know, except for our yeah. friends over at Clamp, who, for whatever reason, I don't understand, but for whatever reason, they kept making episodes. They were cranking them out, for sure. They, like, they were, I just realized this morning, there were three episodes from them in the time we were off. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. All we're right, guys, we out. get it. You're better than us. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, <clears throat> I, I felt like, so I, I, I talked about, I don't remember if it was on my email list or on the blog because I've been doing a blog post every day. Um, that's going to be a 365 days of blog posts. Nice, man. How that goes. Yeah. Jason Stapleton put out a challenge called the Publish 365 Challenge. And I'm like, you know what? This is going to get me to write more. So I'm going to write a blog post every day for a year. And that's, that's how long? Point. I mean, how long are they? Or 
uh, generally about uh, well, they're about four to five minutes each to read. So okay. figure, you know, yeah, that's I mean, that's not, not seven hundred words, right? That's nothing to you know shake a stick at. That's yeah. yeah and like Sunday, I've decided that on Sundays I'm just going to keep it light. Yeah, so yeah, I, exactly. I do something called the Sunday Smile. I'm going to do it every Sunday. Is going to call it the Sunday Smile, nice. or it's just something entertaining and you know whatever. But I realized that like I just. I just needed a break from everything. Mm-hmm. Just, just every single thing. Like I didn't want to do, I didn't want to do the socials. I didn't want to, mm-hmm. I don't want to post content. I don't want to entertain. I barely want to talk to anybody, you know? And I felt, you know, when I started easing back into like this week, I really started easing back into the shop and started doing stuff again. And it was like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with this now. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm I'm back. I'm doing the stuff. I have orders. I already have orders that are just that were sitting there that I told people up front when they ordered stuff. I'm like, look, I am taking yeah. off until mm-hmm. like probably the second week of January. Um, and I will get to your stuff then. And they were like, fine, yeah, no worries. Do whenever you get to it. And I was like, Great. I it's, can go into the shop and do what I want. And it, it's funny. I mean, I did the same thing, Vincent. Uh what you know, if I got orders mid December on if it was something I didn't want to make, I just said I couldn't do it. But um <laughs> but but things that like I wanted to make or whatever, I, I I did the same thing. I was just like, and and it was, I mean, it was honest, right? I, mm-hmm. I was just, I I can't commit to getting it, you know, getting it by by the holidays. Um, and thank goodness I did that because they wouldn't have gotten there anyways. I mean, the things that I sent in early December got there after Christmas anyways because of how messed up everything was. Yeah. Uh, so apparently, um, I actually got something a couple of days ago. <laughs> that actually was shipped on December first. Oh, I'm I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised at all. How yeah. did that even? How's that even happen? I, like, I, I I shipped things on December sixth, and they got there on January. I think January second. So I yeah. did. Um, for one for one of my friends, um, one of the things she wanted for Christmas for her husband, she had um a picture of him with his mom and his dad from when they were young, when they used to go on vacations up in the mountains and they used to, you know, go <clears throat> kayaking and mm-hmm. all that fun stuff that people did back in the early days of the world. <laughs> and she had these two pictures that were just, well, it's really one picture, but it was really tiny. It was, it was kind of beat up, but it was a very important picture. Right. So I worked with her to get a version of it that I could work with. And then I put it into Photoshop and I restored it. I balanced the color. I did everything. Nice. And then I did two prints. I did a four by six and a five by seven. And I shipped it on, I'm not even joking, dude. I shipped it December 9th yeah. to her. On December 20th, I actually was looking at my, I was looking at the calendar and I'm like, okay, if she doesn't get this in the next day or two, I'm going to literally do it again mm-hmm. and reprint these and I'm going to put them in the truck and I'm going to drive them to her house. Right. Because it's these horrible. are for Christmas. Like I gave them a month to get two photos from Suffern to Staten Island. Look at that on Google Maps, guys. It's forty-two miles. (laughs) Well, I don't. I don't know if I told. I mean, if I I might have said this on the our last episode, but so I sent my uh, brother's family's presents. So, um, like, can't remember what I sent him, but like early December, and he lives literally. I mean, driving with no traffic, 35, 40 minutes at, from me at most, at most. Um, so that's how close he is. The, and then I also sent my parents package. Uh, they live in Rochester, New York. And so I sent them the same time. 
So my parents' package went to New Jersey and sat there from like uh, early December until uh, I think it just got there. It got there after the new year. Um, So it went to New Jersey and just sat there for that long. Uh, my, the, the package that I sent to my brother, which is literally two towns away, right? 40, 40 minutes away, went all the way to Rochester randomly, but, uh, ironically went all the way to Rochester and then sat in Rochester until, uh, this week, actually, they just got it this week. Isn't that crazy? It was nuts. I mean, so I have really good relationships with the people at my local post office. Oh yeah, I'm right. in there so often, that's and that's what's cool. Though I mean, yeah, and and that's the thing, right? So I went there. I had two boxes going from Suffern, New York, to um, to Montana, mm-hmm. which is, that's a long trip. I mean, I understood, mm-hmm. and even the customer that ordered them from me, she understood mm-hmm. up front that this was probably not going to make it in time for Christmas. But I shipped it like the Wednesday before Christmas, and I'm like. This has a shot. Like, I'm not mm-hmm. shipping this like normal times. Yeah. And like, it's going priority. Right. So, it's, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm not sending it first class, which I would typically send. I typically send most of my stuff first class. It gets there when it gets there. No one really cares. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd send this priority. I figured eh, it's got a shot. So I asked my guy at the post office. I'm like, what is it? What's a shot of this getting there, before, you know, by Christmas Eve, right? He looks at the address and he goes, man, I'm just going to tell you. He goes, you know me. I know you. He goes, I'm going to tell you. This is what's going to happen. He goes, it's going to leave here tomorrow because it was like a Saturday. I can promise it's going to get out of this facility. Yeah, yeah. He said it's going to leave here tomorrow. He goes, if it goes down to New Jersey first, he goes, it won't move for a week. Yeah. He goes, they they can't move enough packages. He goes, if it goes from here out to Pennsylvania first or somewhere outside New York and New Jersey, he goes, you got a shot. Right. But. I, goes, I wouldn't. I wouldn't expect that to make it for. I said, not even Christmas Eve, huh? He goes, no. He goes, um, he goes, and I'm, you know, obviously, I'm not telling you this to tell you this is the official answer or whatever. Right, right. He goes, but I'm telling you, as someone, I know you're here every day. Yeah, this is not making it for Christmas. Yeah. I said, all right, whatever. And said, it doesn't have to. I was just curious. Turns out, it made it a, It made it on New Year's Eve. Oh wow! <laughs> for wow. A week after Christmas. Yeah. So it took. It took. Was that? That's. 18 days yeah to get where it was going yeah i mean you know what though i here's what i will say though is that every i mean i think i I was honest with people when they ordered and stuff like that but i will i well one i think everyone kind of it was in the news and everything so i think people were aware that i think they were expecting it too yeah. yeah but at the same time i don't i don't think i didn't have one person complain at all no everyone was super understanding and so you know that's great. I mean, because I, 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 it's one of those things where I'm I'm sure that I I was more stressed out and felt wh- worse about it than they cared about it. You know, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. But I will say this: I will say this, and just you know, to contrast, mm-hmm. right? This is the first time. You know, I would say since when did I start with them? April. I started with them in April. So I started using Shippo in April mm-hmm. instead of um, Pirate Ship. Oh, really? And one of the reasons I started using ship, well, Shippo is a, tr- a pay service, right? Because I ship enough where it's worth it for me to pay the ten dollars a month. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason is um, they rate shop for you. Mm-hmm. So with Shippo, you get USPS, which of course you get with Pirate Ship and Stamps.com and all the others, but you also get UPS, FedEx, and DHL. But they will rate shop, which means you put the package dimensions in, and it will show you the rates for all the services, and it will 
you can have it automatically pick the cheapest, which is usually USPS. And this is where it gets really interesting. It's usually USPS. But often, the difference between USPS and UPS with the 54% discount that you get for paying Mm -hmm. the $10 a month, UPS is almost the same price as USPS priority. So if you want to ship some, so basically what I've been doing is if I'm shipping something USPS and it's going first class, well, then uh, I obviously, it's really cheap, three, four, five bucks at right, the most for, for sure, first yeah. class. It doesn't get more expensive. I think New York to California for 13 ounces, which is the maximum, is like 470 something. Yeah, and that's the that. most you can pay on first class. Mm-hmm. But when you get into priority, I was finding that UPS was about 60 cents. And I'm, I mean cents, not dollars. 60 cents more than Priority Mail. And UPS, even though they suspended their um, their travel guarantee, mm-hmm. they still were getting things there in the usual amount of time. Oh, so something, something from New York to Northern California, which is about as far as it'll go, seven days. Yeah. And that's including weekends. Like it's, right. it's unbelievable that they still manage, even though... If you go to their site right now, they'll tell you we are not guaranteeing right, transit right, right. time. No, they're, they're still not. getting it there. So this year, a lot of the stuff I sent, which was you know cutting boards and coasters, which are too heavy to go first class. Well, exactly. That's you're making things that. Right. Yeah. Right. And I was shipping them UPS, fifteen dollars, and everything was taking three or four days to get where it was going. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the thing for me, and again, this is all what what you're making and what you're mm-hmm. you know what for me most of the things I sell are under that weight, you know, under the weight because I'm not doing cutting boards and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that I don't have to go anywhere. Like I literally leave it in my mailbox. So for me, that's worth it. But I totally understand what you're saying. Like if, if you're doing heavier things. Well, I mean, yeah. you can get UPS to come pick it, pick it up. You can, yeah. Right? You got to yeah, schedule yeah. it. And it's like, you another, have to schedule it. Yeah. It is a bit it's of a pain. Extra step. And again, right. If it's worth, but if and if you're shipping something that if you're shipping a thirty dollar item, spending right. eight dollars to ship it is a complete waste of your money. Right, exactly. Right. What I started doing, and you know, I don't, you know, people listen. I know I have a couple of my customers listen to this podcast, but they know this. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm pretty sure they know this. They're smart people. I build the shipping cost into my cost now. Like, if I don't build it in and I give you a certain price, like something like a cutting board, I'll generally just estimate it about fifteen dollars. Mm-hmm. And I've found that I'm pretty good at estimating what the weight of something is going to oh, yeah. end up being the charge for. Like you do it enough, you start to get to know. I charge one customer, I charge fifteen dollars to. Sh- I said, "Let's well, call it fifteen. Whatever it is over fifteen, I'll eat it." It was fourteen dollars and eighty six cents. Yeah. I'm like, I'm right. good at this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I, I, I still I, think. I still think, even even though everyone knows it, and it's you know. It's what people do on Etsy and all those things. I still think I, I still prefer to just say this is the price, shipping included. Mm-hmm. That's because what I do too. Yeah, it's just easier. I think it's easier. It's easier for us, but it's also easier. Like someone doesn't want to think about all right, the product costs this, and now and then I'm paying another X for what? Like, the, and they'd rather they'd rather be oblivious, even though they know it's built in. Listen. You know, have I told the story? I don't know if I've told it on the podcast. I've told it to people before, but I I don't know if I've told it on the podcast. When I started doing online sales through my site, mm-hmm. I couldn't get anyone to buy a damn thing. I couldn't sell anything. I sold one mug on day one. 
because she was a friend of mine and she wanted to be my, she said, I wanted to be your first sale. So I was your first sale. And I thought that was the sweetest thing people mm-hmm. had done. Right. I couldn't sell anything. And I'm like, I, I don't know what to do. And I was charging at the time since I knew everything was going UP USPS. I was charging, um, $5 flat rate shipping. I figured $5 flat rate priority generally is $8. I'll charge, I'll pay, I'll eat the $3 into my cost, but at least I'm getting back five of that. Right. Turns out that people really don't like that. Right. No, <laughs> so, exactly. They just want a flat flat price. So what did I do? I went through my prices. I raised all my prices. Mm-hmm. Every single price went up by $8. You know, at least eight, sometimes mm-hmm. 10. And I couldn't stop selling stuff. You know why? Because I also made shipping free. <laughs> like, right. Exactly. You guys. Yeah. No, it, it, and, and it's not that we don't know it, right? I'm I'm guilty I of it. I think everybody, as well. yeah. I'm not fooling anyone. <laughs> I, I I will pay more for like I'll I mean not a lot. I'll pay a couple bucks more for something on Amazon Prime <laughs> mm-hmm. than another place because I get it in two days. Like yep. it, it's it's a subconscious thing, but I just I don't care. You know. Anyways, I I think you no. I think you're I think you're 100 right, and I think that's something that you know if you're going to do flat rate shipping, I, I guess if you're doing smalls, doing flat rate shipping is fine. The reality is if you bump your prices a bit, most people aren't going to care, especially if you're making this stuff, right? We're not talking about stuff. You're not selling like, like earbuds where you're buying them and reselling them where people are like, no, I'm not paying $20 for that. If you're hand making stuff and selling it, people want to buy your stuff. I'm, I'm learning that I'm learning that I'm underpricing a lot of my stuff. And there's a pricing strategy that I'm starting to implement now. Mm-hmm. And like, I want to go to the Harbor Freight model of good, better, best. Mm-hmm. Yep. So the next thing I'm going to add to my repertoire, which is going to be in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to start making end grain cutting boards. Wow. But like chunky ones, like, mm-hmm. you know, inch and three quarter thick and, you know, big, heavy, chunky really really big boards and i'm going to charge a premium for them but not yeah. a premium premium like a like a vincent ferrari premium so like 250 to 275 <laughs> for them, which is of course again people get mad when i charge around it's like you don't charge enough no i charge exactly what i need to charge yeah the cutting boards i sell the edge grain ones that i sell my most popular boards i sell them for about 150 dollars a mm-hmm. board if it's a oversized one i'll bump it up to like 170 right right but that's my price. Right. And I don't need to charge more than that. I really don't. And the reason I don't is because I know that I'm going to be offering a luxury item soon. Mm-hmm. And now I'm, what would happen, and this is this is what people don't understand, right? If your plan is I'm never going to make anything else, I'm only going to sell these, it works. Mm-hmm. But my plan isn't that. My plan is I want to add more products to the mix. I want to do crazy patterns. I want to do bonkers boards. I want to do nice, nice things, Right. But I also want to have an an offering for people whose budget is in the 100 to 150 range. Mm-hmm. I want to have something that like, oh, I really want to treat myself and go crazy and do end grain boards that are super heavy, super expensive because they are, right? I can't do that if I'm charging $200 for an edge grain board. Right. <laughs> well, who's going to buy a $200 edge grain board and then find out that I'm selling – end grain boards later on for a hundred bucks more it's like they're not going to do that well it's it also goes to there's a little bit of like i i think there's something to be said for there's a little subconscious distrust and and i may and maybe distrust isn't the right term that might be a little too harsh but there's a little bit of like 
I don't, I know, I see what your, your pictures are, right? Mm-hmm. I know, I, I see that. I see what you're putting on Instagram, all those things. But like, I don't, you know, do, does your stuff really warrant X, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I feel the same way. We've talked about this before, but I feel the same way about my exacto knives or, or, um, and, and other things is you know, I probably could charge more for them for some people. But for me, it's more about, let me, let me prove like one, let me get it out there. Cause I think it's a branding thing. Right. But mm-hmm. also let me get it out there. Let me prove to you my, my qualities is what, what I display on Instagram. Uh, my packaging is all those things. I'm a, and I get, you know, I'm a conscientious um, maker and provider. Like I send you the tracking number, all those things, right. Let, let me prove that to you with this, mm-hmm. so the, the, that when you come with a custom or something that you want custom or something like that, you trust me. Right. And, and, and I earn that trust. And so then you're willing to pay what I deserve to be paid, not more, but what I deserve to be paid. And, um, I mean, I think that, and that even happened. So my post tonight, I, I posted tonight a wallet that I made and I made it for someone who, had uh bought a couple of exactos i think i i think they were custom ones if i'm not mistaken but and and that wasn't even this person would not have even questioned it anyways but they came to me and and they you know it was something i hadn't made before but they 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 were they knew that i would wouldn't commit to something i couldn't deliver with the quality that i would be happy with right and that's because they've seen my work and they whatever so i think there's something to be said for that it's you're getting your foot in the door um, if you charge a reasonable, fair price for yourself, but a reasonable price, because the next time when there's a custom thing, you can charge, you know, a little bit more and, and, and not gouge them. I'm not saying that, but it's it's a little bit of getting your foot in the door price. I, I love that story, by the way. I, I love that. I love that. I love that philosophy. That's I, I, just, I, I think if you have if you have a good relationship and this is another thing and this is part of something that you know, small makers have trouble with, and I admit that I sometimes have trouble with it, but establishing and maintaining relationships right. mm-hmm. is just as important as selling good stuff. Yeah. And I'll give you a good example. So my biggest client who I think he probably spent, I would say a couple of grand last year. And I know a couple of grand, some of you guys make a couple of grand on one sale and congratulations to you. I'm not that guy. Neither That's not my world. I'm yep. just not in that <laughs> world yet. Right. So if I have a customer that spends a couple of grand in my shop, that's my biggest customer yeah. right. <laughs> by <Yeah>. default. <laughs> and, you know, so he ordered a board and he needed it shipped to Alaska. I've never shipped anything to Alaska, so I had no idea what it was going to cost. And it was a cutting board and it was a big board. It was a heavy board. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I mean, I said to him, I said, you know what? I'll, I'll well, let's do 20 bucks. I'll do 20 bucks to ship it, whatever it is on top of that. I'll eat it. So it's like, yeah, okay, no problem. So I make the board, I ship the whole thing. And I said, hey, I just want you to know, I said, and I'm not telling you this for any other reason other than informationally, if we do another board to Alaska, I'm going to have to charge you more for the shipping. And he goes, how come? He goes, how much was it to ship that one? I said, it was $68 to ship it to Alaska. He goes, but you only charged me blank for the board. I was like, yeah, I know. I said, right. believe me, I'm not, I'm not particularly thrilled about it. I said, I'm not telling you to get money out of you. I'm telling you so that you know that if you ever want to do another board again, yeah, it's going to cost a little more. Because when I give him his pricing, I don't give him the pricing I give everybody else. Mm-hmm. 
I don't. I And it, honestly, if you're doing business with one person who's doing that much business with you and you're giving them your standard price, you're an idiot. You shouldn't be doing business with anyone. So anyway, I told him, I said, you know, don't worry about it. But next time, if you do another board to this address, then we're going to have to, I'm going to have to charge you more. So a few minutes later, I get a ping on my phone from Venmo. He sent me 40 bucks. I, I, listen, Vincent, you're, I, the end of the story is exactly what I was just about to say. If it hadn't gone that way is, uh, listen, you, everyone, you agree to a price and, mm-hmm. and I, and that is all you're expected to pay. So I don't, don't take this in any way, but there's been there's been times where uh, I bought something from someone, and you know I I just I felt like it was first of all underpriced to begin with, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I I usually say that to the I mean when, when in our community if it's someone I don't know I won't but like if it's someone in our community that's trying to figure out their own pricing because I know how hard pricing is I I I usually say and I think there's a few of you out there that have probably heard this from me I was like I think you're underpricing it. Like, uh, let's do something like either let's do that price and I'll, and I'll make you something or like, let's charge whatever. Regardless, if at the end of the day, if they send it and it's phenomenal or even if they don't like whatever, it goes a long way to send someone an extra 10 bucks. If, if it's it's deserved, I mean, again, I'm not saying do this and just to be nice, like you shouldn't do this to just be nice, but like if someone's undercharging, and and it's a really well. All right, sorry. Let me back up. It's a really uncomfortable thing to to ask someone for more money, mm-hmm. right? So like, if 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 you start something and you quote something somebody at some price, I will I, like personally, I will never ask you for more money because then that's it's my fault that I didn't quote hundred percent the right price to begin with. I but know. so I know that right. So if so, I also know that people underpriced things for me sometimes and sometimes it's just because we're friends sometimes mm-hmm. it's because they don't know that it's going to take as long all those things so at the end of the day if i if i pick up on that or if i know that or whatever i shoot them i i do i shoot them an extra 10 bucks 15 bucks 20 bucks whatever it is that means so much to me and people have done that the same thing to me mm-hmm. and it's all i i guarantee you it's all evened out I 100% oh, I feel think like it's evened out, but 100%. it means so much because it's it's just one of those things that it is really hard in our space to know exactly what to price things at, especially if you haven't made a ton of them, right? Like if it's a, right. a commission piece, it's hard to know what, to your point, it's hard to know what's going to, what it's going to cost to ship something from yeah. here to Alaska. So, so I did that. I did that. This So this guy, because, you know, we did this, we had this nice exchange. When it came time, like we got closer to Christmas, I made a couple of things for him for Christmas. I drop shipped them directly to his family. Mm-hmm. Like he, that, by the way, that's a, see, that's the relationship thing I'm talking about. Right. He trusts me enough to know that when it gets to his family, it's going to be in a right, condition right. Yep. that he doesn't need to see it first to make sure he didn't get ripped off. It just exactly. goes straight to his family. Yep. Yep. So, but he ordered some stuff and he comes to me, and I'm not even joking, dude. He came to me on the 21st of December. And he's like, listen, I need another board for Christmas. I'm like, are you out of your mind? <laughs> what are you? He goes, I said, okay, I can get it. Where's it going? Right. So I looked at, I was like, okay, if I get this done by like, if I get this done and get it shipped before the weekend, it'll make it. So I was like, okay. I said, here's the deal. I can make this for you. You get no choice of the wood. 
You get no choice. Of, you get a rough estimate of the size, and I will get it there, and it will be in that person's hand for Christmas. I said, but you have got to just accept the fact that you are going to get a board made. It'll be pretty. I won't make a piece of garbage for right, you. Right, right. But it's going to be like scraps. So right, exactly. you're not gonna, You can't go, I really want it to be all walnut with right, stripes right, of purple. Right. Like, no, you're going to get what I have, and I will do the best I can to make it a pretty board. You get what you get, and you don't get upset. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And you know what, though? He was so happy, and you know, I checked in with him because I always like I'm an, the other thing I do. I have OCD mm-hmm. about it. So like I'll sit there on Shippo okay. every morning and just looking to see Refreshed. where all my packages Refreshed. are. Refresh. Yeah. <laughs> um, and in fact, some of them I actually set alerts for because I'm like, I really want to make sure yeah. that one gets there. So I have alerts that ping me when they get where they're going. But every one of his packages got where they were going, even though he ordered it. I swear it was like the 20th or the 21st. It was some ridiculous day. I was like, I don't even know how I'm going to get this done, but I'm going to get this done. Yeah. And then I got that done. I got Jeff's board done like before Christmas, which just, it's just, it was one of those, I felt really good this year. And I was excited about one of the things I was most excited about with, you know, this Christmas season. And one of the things that really just kind of gave me a big lift as far as I'm doing something I love and it's, it's Mm -hmm. starting to bear fruit. Mm -hmm. Last year I was in LA in the middle of December. Yeah, right. You know, and that was a year ago. Oh my god! Right, and this year, had I done that, I would have been screwed. Right, right, right. Like there is no way I could have survived taking five days off mm-hmm. in the middle of December. Like it's just it goes to show you that what, what you've built, you know. Right, and that's and that's exactly what it is. And that's you know, I look at I've seen people like I look at what Bruce does. You know, when he's mm-hmm. batching out fifty, sixty boards, right. Right. And I'm just like, I'm not yeah. going to lie. There are times where I'm jealous of that. Like, I'd love that to be me, right? Right. But then I, I'm not at that point yet, right? He's been doing it a lot longer. I'm not at that point yet. But when I look at what I've managed to put together in a year, right? it's like, you know what? I got nothing to be feeling bad about. Nothing. Well, and 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 for me too, it's like I I took on what I could this year, mm-hmm. right? I, I, I mean, I was – I. We before we started recording, I was telling you I was you know I, I had a lot of family presence, which I do every year, so that's nothing mm-hmm. new. But I was, I was consistently and not a lot. I mean, I'm don't get me wrong, I'm not I'm nowhere at a a business yet. But I had an I had enough inquiries and enough work that I was con- I mean I still am constantly doing things for people, and you know it's like one or two projects per weekend. It's not it's not a lot. Don't get me wrong, but it it is a different mindset. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and you know there are days it's weird because I see you know our maker friends and they're like, yeah, I just haven't been down to the shop in a couple of days. I don't really feel like going down to the shop, and I'm like, I don't get to do that. <laughs> like, right. right. I don't get to do that, and I don't feel bad that I don't get to do that. Don't no. don't mistake what I'm saying here. It's not that I feel bad. It's not like oh, I wish I could just take a week. I could, right. Nothing I'm doing from now until until October or November is going to be time sensitive unless it's like really weird, but I'll have plenty of lead time. I'll know better. But man, I just, I look at people that do it for fun or their content, you know, primarily content creators, right? Like that's another thing. Like I'm not a content creator. Content is secondary to the product. And I, I look at these guys that are primarily content creators and how they're able to just take time off 
and get away from their shop for a couple of days. And it's like, wow, man, I am so jealous that you're able to do that. And I felt like that's what I wanted for the last two weeks. Well, the last week of 2020 and the first week of 2021. Like I wanted to have the no pressure. My shop is going to be there when I'm back kind of feeling. And it was so weird because I had been on such a tear since, I don't know, since like the middle of October where it was just like, Every weekend, all weekend in the shop. And then it was like, well, guys, I know you need stuff, but I ran out of wood. <laughs> like, right. I, I have no wood to make anything with right now. Well, and it was awesome. Yeah. It was awesome. It, it's funny. It's funny. I mean, um, it. Go, I mean, we're going back kind of to where we started with this whole conversation is it was funny because I did not, I, I kind of gave myself the break of, posting and doing stories. I haven't done stories much at all and all those things. And what I found was that all of a sudden I started doing like when I, when I did stories, it was because I was excited about something. And I don't know if you saw it, Vincent, I think you did, but like I got, uh, I finally unboxed the Chinese version, uh, like hand cranked sewing machine. Mm -hmm. And I was, I was like, I was so excited about that. And and I think it came across, but like all of a sudden I wanted to do stories and right. and I hadn't planned on that. I was like, I, I given my, I had given myself the, you know, the excuse, not the excuse, the um, whatever to, there it is. That's the, you know, whatever, um, whatever. <laughs> but I'd given myself the whatever to not do stories, not whatever. And, but then I found myself excited about something and all of a sudden the joy of sharing things on Instagram and sharing things with the community and sharing what I was like, what I was excited about came back and it was such a, a natural thing that I wanted to do it. And it, it was a, it was a different, it was a really eye-opening thing for me uh, because it was just like, all of a sudden it wasn't like I needed to put out, I needed to do stories to grow my following. I didn't need to do posts, every you know a couple times a week to make sure i was consistently growing on instagram like there wasn't none of that it was purely because i was excited about what i was working on and i wanted to share with people how excited i was and it was so refreshing it, it, i can't even explain how ex refreshing it was if that makes sense what's great about it is like the the excitement brought itself back you didn't have to force it like right, i know exactly I know that sometimes when you're in a funk, you know, you go down to your shop and you, you know, you want to sit there and like, okay, I'm going to sit here till something inspires me. And, you know, I, one of the things I like to do, and I know a lot of people I've heard do this, I'll go down to my shop and I'll clean it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes just cleaning my shop, being down there makes me go, hmm, I wonder if this, you know, you pick something up and you go, I could do something with this. Right. And you start having those thoughts where it's like, oh, why am I wasting my time not being down here? I need to be down here. I should be down here more. And you, your brain goes into a mode where it's like, okay, if I need to be down here, I need to be doing something. What can I be doing? Right. And now it's like when that kicks in automatically and it's organic and if you're going down there and you're doing stuff because you want to be doing stuff rather than because you feel obligated to do right. stuff, oh, that's <laughs> fantastic. That's that's what we, That's the dream. Well, that's the it, dream. <laughs> absolutely. And that's what we that's why we all got started with this. I mean, honestly, there's the business side of all of this, and mm -hmm. that's important. And there and 
you know, there's a content creation side of all of this for some of us and all of that. And, and if you want to grow, you do have to kind of do some of that, right? You have mm-hmm. to kind of treat it as, as a job and not even as a job, but as, you know, as a priority, like you have to do it. But the reason we all got started with this stuff is because we enjoyed making no, n- none of us got into this and just being like, all I want is money. Like, like none of us would do this if all we wanted was money because this is the wrong it, place to be. If that's your goal. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. This is the wrong thing to do if you just want to make money. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So, but the other funny thing about the sewing machine uh, situation was it got me thinking, like looking around my shop and being like, what else is there that I have not, like, I have not uh, made to, you know, utilized to its best potential and and one of the things is i have this arbor press uh that i got from harbor freight i mean not super expensive i think it was like 40 bucks 50 bucks which is not cheap don't get me wrong but it's way cheaper than um you know the little giant from weaver or whatever which and and it doesn't do the same thing don't get me wrong but i had this thing i got this thing way back when when i i think i first got my first uh uh it was probably laser engraved um, like stamp acrylic stamp for pressing my logo into leather. And this was way before I knew anything about anything. Um, And they recommended I get this Arbor press to use to put the pressure on. And I I barely used it. I mean, it's, I barely used it. I saw that thing. I was like, I feel like there's, it's underutilized. And I went online and there are so many hacks and tutorials about how to use that thing. Oh my gosh. I mean, Vincent, next weekend you're going to see me cuz I'm I I'm so excited to like bolt it to a surface and and make it make it use. But all that came out of the fact that I took I started working on this sewing machine that needed so much work and and it I was like I was happy doing it. Like it was a really mm-hmm. fun challenge for something I never would have done. You know, I never I don't do that kind of stuff as you know. And it, I really, really enjoyed it. So, and that led to that, and then you know, so on. So the happy, the happy warrior. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, warrior. I know, I'm rambling, but still. no, hey, it's listen. I'll tell you, it's you know, when you when you're excited about something, mm-hmm. everything everything is just that much more interesting. Like the, uh, I'll give you a good one. The other day, I was doing the one of the boards that I showed you before we started recording, and the orientation of the boards. So normally, when you do an edge grain board you do them the length of the board is the length of the edge grain pieces well i rotated these 90 degrees and the edges of the board the board's length is the cutting board's width huh. so the boards are i'm calling it the vertigo board because it's vertical and i thought I like vertigo it. sounded cool uh doesn't really but i think it doesn't <laughs> so, i like it i like it but one of the things that happens is when you put wood through your planer in that orientation, mm-hmm. <laughs> it is brutal. Yeah. It it makes strands when it rips through because right. it's planing. That's parallel. where that's where a drum sander comes in handy. Yeah, this, um, this is one of those occasions where it's like I would really, I really should get a drum sander, right? So, so I'm I'm doing all this and I'm like, why is it spitting? I mean, I know it's producing a lot, right? I get that, but why is it? Why were all the why were all these like long horrible chips cl- coming out? Why are they clogging my planer? Right. It turns out the bag from the planer was full. Uh, now, I'm gonna put this in perspective for you, okay? The first time I put that bag on the planer, I went 
almost six months before I had to change the bag out. I have changed that bag. I'm not even joking. I've changed that bag three times in December. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, and, and the same, by the way, from my cyclone, which is downstairs right now, it's about 80% full, which it's going to, I have to change it out tomorrow or I'm not going to be able to get any more dust into that from my table saw and my sander and my bandsaw. And it's like, wow, you know, that's an indication that, you know, you're doing a lot more down here than you were doing. Like, you know, it's not, I'm not, things aren't lasting a year anymore. It's not taking me six months to fill my planer bag. It's not taking me four months to fill. When I first put that cyclone on my table saw, it took a year before I had to empty it the first time. So it's, it's really funny. Like all these little things come together and it's like, that's motivating to me. I, I know that that's the menial crap work that everyone hates to do in their shop, like cleaning out their dust collection. I I get it. And it's not fun. Right. But man, there's a great feeling. It's like, yeah, I'm cleaning this out because I'm just that busy. Right. You know, it's that, that's, it's nice. It's that really does. That inspires me, you know, a clean shop that's well organized with clean horizontal surfaces. I know one time we were talking about this, I said clean vertical surfaces. I don't know how many people can actually store things on vertical surfaces in their <laughs> shop. I mean, that's quite an accomplishment. But yeah, horizontal surfaces. And it's like, wow, you know, it's just, I go down there and it's just, I want to create something. The whole shop is available to me. It's not like I have to move stuff, like put my arm on the table and just scoop it all to a side and make myself a tiny little space to work in. It's just, Wow. It's nice, man. It's just it I know that that's not everybody's situation, but I feel like that's one thing that one habit I picked up from my dad that really really stuck. Mm-hmm. And it's like cuz my dad, uh, my dad when he worked was an absolute slob. I'm it's like it looked like a war was going on in his shop when he was doing anything, but when he was done, it was clean. You could you could literally put a sandwich directly on the workbench and eat it without anything coming up. Like he would, he'd oh, scrub I everything. Eat, I eat a sawdust sandwich any day. If it's in. <laughs> you know, sawdust, it's cellulose. It's, <laughs> it's organic. <laughs> oh man. But it's, I wonder, I wonder, and feel free to write in. Cause I'm kind of, I'm genuinely curious. Like what, when you, when people get into their shop, like for me, it being clean and all my tools being available to use, inspires me sometimes like sometimes i want to just go down there and knock something out really quick yeah and you know i'll give you a good example i'll give you a very good example i'm going to give you the best example people that don't have a cnc are not going to be able to relate to this but people that have a cnc are going to hear this and go my dude i hear you i almost always use the same bit in my cnc 90 percent of the time i use the same bit one of the things that annoys me about my cnc though what was annoying me was that the dust boot that it came with was just hot garbage. I mean, it worked, but I had to use duct tape and a hose adapter and all this stuff. And I think that was the last episode we did, actually. I think I called the new dust boot my thing of the week. I think I did make it my thing of the week, right? Well, so now I have some time in with it. Like, I hadn't even used it that night. I just looked at it and was like, this is amazing. Like, it's the same general thing. No, this thing is 50 times better than the old one. Do you know how much dust comes off that machine when it's set at the right height now? Not much. Literally none. Mm-hmm. Literally none. I get no dust in my shop with this dust boot. It's that good. As long as you adjust it to the right height before you start, it's amazing. And it's like, wow, that makes me want to use the CNC more because now I know that I'm not going to have to spend 10 minutes cleaning up dust on everything around it. Like I can right. just 
use the machine and do what I need to do. And I know that if your machine's producing dust, not chips, you're doing so. I know. Okay. I don't need the CNC <laughs> lecture. I get it. I get it. But the reality is that, and as Austin calls it, when you're working with tree carcasses, you do tend to get dust, even if you do everything right. But it is absolutely fantastic. And now it's like, that's another thing, right? When you have your dust collection working and everything is working, and you know that that tool's not going to create a mess that's going to take you 20 minutes to clean, you're a lot more inclined to do stuff in your shop when right. things are ready to do things. Yep. So I'm just wondering if that's the same for everybody else. Like what, when you go down to your shop and you're standing there, you didn't plan on doing anything, but what motivates you while you're there to on the fly just start trying something or doing something? I'm genuinely curious. If I am too. Same. I think that, yeah. Well, and I don't, I'm, my shop is not as clean as I like it, but when it is, you're absolutely right. So oh, don't you just want to dirty it? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, I, that's I what it know. is, right? You want to dirty it. It's like, I, want and I get so excited when I like make something in my shop more efficient and I don't do that enough. I don't know why I don't do it enough because it, it, it is something that makes me super happy when I just oh, like, yeah like kind of clean something up and make room for something else that makes my life more efficient. Like that is so to to your point that that gets me rejuvenated and I'm Mm -hmm. like, I want to make, I want to make, and I don't do that enough. And I think that I don't take the time to step back. I I think I'm always in the, I need to be creating something where, and I know that's a a bad habit, but I'm always like, I'd rather, I should be spending my time creating something versus cleaning or reworking my shop to make it better for all the other things I will create, right? Oh, 100%. Yes. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's, uh, let's pop out of here for a sponsor break, which I don't even think we have any sponsors this week, but whatever. Who knows? Maybe as you're listening to this, we've picked up a sponsor and the there ad insert go. actually has an ad run in it. That's the cool part about, about Anchor. We have no idea <laughs> if there's a sponsor or not, but we are going to take a break. And if there is a sponsor, you're going to hear it. And if not, we're going to say, we're back like you listened to a sponsor. So we'll be (laughs) right back. And we're back. But I don't know if we left, but we are back or something. (laughs) Yeah. More of us. That's all. I got got one of the coolest, you know, I know Maker Mail Monday is your thing. Mm -hmm. But I got one of the coolest pieces of Maker Mail I've gotten. I think I, I think I might have gotten the same Maker Mail. Uh, well, I hope you didn't get the same one because the then that would, totally, that, that would totally ruin the illusion. <laughs> so our good friend Austin Sanders at high, the High Caliber Craftsman, he did something unbelievably generous. Yeah. Unbelievably. We've talked about Austin so many times on this podcast. I think he, I think he was my thing of the week for the uh, Leather Mall. I think you're right. I think so. Which is I still, I, I mean, I literally use that every every time I'm in the shop and it's amazing. So. I, I absolutely loved watching him make that and oh watching God. him make the acorn nut that what <laughs> so um, again who makes their own like yeah you, well I and I know we've told the story but I'll tell it one, again real quick Austin made that because we broke his balls yes, into yeah. making it he wasn't, wasn't gonna there. make it he wasn't gonna make it he was gonna buy that nut yeah and we're like you're gonna make everything else but the nut what is wrong with you and he's like fine. I'll make the nut. <laughs> he it, made it, the freaking nut, the bastard. <laughs> and then, and he sent me a, a DM like later that day. Like I think it was like Saturday night at like you know seven thirty or something. He's like, 
So the guys on maker makers on Zoom having coffee, <laughs> crap. So I guess I'm making an acorn nut, and, <laughs> and it's beautiful. It's unbelievable, and I'm happy he did. I I know that's easy for me to say, but it <laughs> it, it just makes it like that much it, more special, right? 100%. I know the entire thing. So yeah, it's it, uh, and it was it's beautiful. So I've I you know I've been I have one of Jimmy's ice picks. Mm-hmm. And I was on on the verge of buying another one mm-hmm. because, you know, when you have tools, you know, you tend to want to have multiples of them. I have two maker knives and it's a good thing I do because I use them in both locations that I have them in. And I really don't want to have to go all the way downstairs to get my maker knife and come back up here. And yes, I know I could use a utility knife, but utility knives suck. That's why I bought the maker knife. Well, and I'm just worried, you know, there's, even though I never leave my house, I might it somewhere <laughs> you might have to get another one <laughs> so i i i i went to my mailbox on saturday and there was this pipe bomb like container <laughs> in my mailbox and i'm like well either the unabomber has finally gotten in touch with me after all these years You've been writing him all those years at, in the I've, been, prison, so. I've been writing for him <laughs> <laughs> um or I got something really cool when I took the bot, I took it out and I looked, turned, flipped it over and looked at the label and it's from our good friend, Austin. And I'm like, no. So a little backstory. I saw all of our friends from the makers on zoom group got one of these. And I'm like, I haven't been in the group in a while, so I'm probably not going to get one. That's cool. Whatever. And, um, well, no, I just, it just took the postal service that long to get it to me. <laughs> so, so it, just to jump in, were you, were you so excited to get that wooden case? Because the wooden case, I was like, oh, I'm so excited for this wooden case. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I got a pipe bomb. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I was I, I I opened it up and I'm like, oh wow, I actually got one of these ice picks. So Austin worked with onlinemetals.com and he made ice picks for everyone in the group. Yeah. And I'm not talking like, look, and no offense to Jimmy. This is not intended to offend Jimmy. I would never offend Jimmy. I'm not dumb enough to offend Jimmy. However, there is something about these. They're just very, you would think like, oh, he just made ice picks like Jimmy made. No, these, these are very different. And every person got a different ice pick. And it's like, what? It's so cool. And they're stamped with M-O-Z-H-C on them. Mm-hmm. I got to say, bro, I mean, I think I, I have one of Austin's T-shirts. I have his stickers. This is the first piece of metal work that I've gotten from Austin. And this thing is just gorgeous. Like, I absolutely love this. I, I love it. I abs- it's, it's fantastic. It's beautiful. It makes me happy. I'm actually fiddling with it while I'm talking. I'm looking at it like... I like, I got one that's shaped like a, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, a hexagon. And I like when I hold the cork that's covering the point and I twirl it, it just does that really cool shimmery thing that a hexagon will do when it's made of solid freaking brass. Mm. And that's the first thing I noticed about this. And I don't know what the difference in the materials is between what he did and what Jimmy did. This thing is half the size of my Duresta ice pick and at least twice as heavy. Like this is much heavier than my Duresta ice pick. It's just in in the best way too. I mean, yeah. Oh no, no, that's not a complaint. That's a whoa. I knew that wasn't. But yeah. So yes. So I also got one, and 
my gosh. I mean, so I have the Jimmy Dressa mini pick. And mm-hmm. so it's basically it's similar in size to that. Um, again, every one that he made for everyone, I think it was like, what, 25 at least that he yeah. made? I he think made 25 of them, yeah. For And every single one was different. I mean, I, I'm... Oh, I, I I say this all the time. I'm mind boggled by someone that can do that in right? such an efficient way and in such a clean, like every one of them was so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so anyways, so yeah, so I got one as well. And you're right. It, it, it just, it feels really good in the hand. It's like a super solid feel. And, and it is, it's about the same size as the, as the mini and, Personally, I really like that. I think that's the right size for uh, for me. Um, but my yeah, so mine also had a level and a magnet in it, and it's just I can't even begin. I just I I've told Austin this yeah. by the way, and I, to me, and I've said this a lot. I said it to him. I think I was talking to I want to say I was talking to Emily Joyce about it also. That metal to me is like yeah. magic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like magic. Yeah, like, I know. Right. I don't sure. understand metal. Like I look at this and I go, how did you do that? Right. Like I can clearly tell like, okay, fine. You know, I get, he milled this and he did a lathe to do these rings and okay. Well, I get it. I, I mean, I get yeah. it, but <laughs> yeah. like this feels like one piece, like there's right. no rattle. Right. This is solid. It weighs, it weighs. I mean, <laughs> just put it that way. It weighs. Yeah. It's it's beautiful. I mean, I don't understand metal. I understand wood really well. Right. I don't I, understand right. metal at all. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I think that's one of those things that we don't know what we don't know. And it's yeah. magic to us. And I know Austin's listening to this and he's like, you guys, it's just the same as anything. Right. But to us, it's magic. I Here's the thing. I, I've said this. I've, I think I've told him this. I'm just amazed at his versatility too though so he can metal work he can woodwork he does leather work too i mean like so he's just yeah he's one of those he's one of those guys that i like to feel like i'm trying to become yeah yeah exactly like like a generalist like i don't want to be you know i even posted on one of my published 365 blog entries was using kind of using jewelry as therapy Mm -hmm. like when i'm i'm just done as hell with doing woodwork i can switch to making jewelry and go okay i'll make jewelry for a couple of days and just to kind of still make stuff still you know still have that creative outlet but to not be doing the same thing over and over again and i feel like austin is right in there too like you know i love how he lovingly calls wood tree carcasses (laughs) at one point he wanted to get rid of his um shape oko yeah, because it was littering his metal shop with tree carcass. Right, right. <laughs> it was just the funniest thing to me. It's like, oh my god, that's the whole point. My whole shop is littered with tree carcass. <laughs> just the, uh, see, Vincent, like I agree. I think, I think, and I, I actually, I do think that you and I, in some, we we could be generalists. I think we are. I think we mm-hmm. can we can navigate. We can do some woodworking. We can do some of this. We can do some of that. I, I would say that we're we are generalists there's a different category for someone that can do a lot of things at an exceptional level, right? Like to right. me, that's, that's a different, I don't know what, what that category is. It's not a generalist anymore. It's like, uh, I don't know. There's, there's gotta be a term. Bob, Bob was the one that introduced me to the term generalist, right? And yeah. you know, the idea that, you know, he could do a lot of things adequately. Right. 
you know, and I, I am perfectly happy being able to maybe have one core skill that I'm really good at. And then a, a bunch of others that I'm just, I, I can, I'm passable. Like I am, I consider myself a, in the woodwork that I do a very good woodworker mm-hmm. and a pretty good jewelry maker, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't say I'm as good as like, I'll use Emily as an example again, but Emily Joyce is to me just, you know, one of the best jewelry makers I know, right. you know, there are people I follow on Instagram that are just like blowing my mind on a regular basis with the jewelry they crank out. Right. And I'm not at that level. And I know I'm not at that level, but I can, I can make a cutting board with the best of them. Right. You know? Well, I'm and, the same way. I mean, I, 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 I always really cringe when someone says I'm a leather worker because I'm, I, I don't consider myself a leather. Leather workers are really refined and whatever. I do, I do leather work. I do woodworking, but I don't consider my either. I don't consider myself. And I, and this is not, uh, 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 I'm modest. It's not that at all. It's just, it, it it's just, it, it, it's just, I, I understand that there's a different level and I don't necessarily care that I'm not at that level. It's just, there is, there are different levels and I'm okay with that. I'm happy here. You know, that, that, what you just said there, what you just said there is actually, I smiled as you said it, because I feel like that's me too. Like there's a certain level and I'm okay with not being at that level. Mm-hmm. I will never make furniture like Chris Salamone. Right. Just but never going to happen. I'm okay it's, with that. Right. I'm never going to make hand cut mm-hmm. dovetails and file everything with a beautiful Shinto rasp and, I'm not going to be, I'll never be Chris from cow dog. I'm never going to be Chris Salamone. I'm obvious name. I'm never going to be, I'm never going to be John Perilla. I'm never going to be Austin Sanders, right? I'm never going to be all these people. I, I like the space I'm in, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm okay with the space I'm in. And I think that's a sign of, you know, you've hit your, maybe not your ideal place, but at least a level of maturity to recognize that you don't have to be, everyone that does something you like to do well and 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 for all of us it's it's different it's a different a different level of satisfaction for all of us Mm -hmm. Um, and as we've talked about before i i i'm happy doing a lot of different things and trying a lot of different things not being great at a lot of thing things but being decent and to me that's 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 where i'm happiest so there's no shame there's no shame in not being a master leather crafter, right? No. In my and opinion, I know, right? you know, it's, it's really interesting. It's really interesting. Cause I actually know someone who, well, now I do, I met them through Instagram. Um, you know, Leanne from Hemlock and Hyde. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I started, um, I started following them a couple of, couple of weeks ago and we just started chatting on Instagram one day. And I got to say, like, I look at that stuff and I'm like, I understand mm-hmm. like, the leather workers I follow on Instagram, and don't take this the wrong way, because I'm just following along with what you're saying, but the leather workers that I follow on Instagram, like you <laughs> Hemlock and Hyde yeah. and um, Hans Atelier and like these, it's like high end leather. Of course. Like it's a, le- it's, it's like, you know, the Chris Salamone of furniture, you right. know, it's like, there's a certain, and I, I've started to understand, and I think this is what I'm poorly getting at, but trying to get to. I understand that there are different levels of things that people do when I see a skill that I don't necessarily immerse myself in. Like I can see someone doing really nice, really cool leather work and enjoy it. And then I see someone like what Leanne cranks out and it's like, Oh my God. Right. Like 
she's got a bag that are refinement and exactly uh, like yeah. there's a, and that's that's exactly what separates you know like when i look at austin's pick right there's a there's a there's a refinement to it there's a there's a class to it it was like um was it Oh boy, boy, oh boy, boy, oh boy. Was it was it on Clamp this week when Laura Kampf was talking about the chairs? Yeah, it was. It was on it was on Clamp this week, and they had a really interesting conversation about software um, that people that they use for designing stuff. Mm-hmm. And Laura, Kampf, they mentioned Laura Kampf who made a chair, mm-hmm. and she's like, "I designed this chair just to design a chair, but I realized that it didn't really work in the real world." Right. And she, you know, she was talking about how she could tell when something was designed in a computer but not tested in the real world because yeah. she made this chair that she couldn't even reach the armrests of, <laughs> right? Because it was just it was measured, but it wasn't really figured out based on the person that was going to use yeah. the chair. And I feel like that's that that level of refinement that you know that you need to kind of look at it. That's what separates maybe um, a Hans Atelier and somebody of. Oh, another one. I'll give you another one. Someone we can both relate to. Taylor Forrest. She finally released a video this week. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, and it was. It's just a simple tote, but it's gorgeous. Beautiful. And and it, and it's done exceptionally well. Yeah, yeah, and that's 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 the trick, right? To do the simple things so well that it's they don't look like simple things anymore. But here, but in that, therein lies the difference. I mean of what your intentions are. And I've said this and I, I I've said this on other podcasts when people have asked me, um, there's a distinction between that, like being a super pro, uh, proficient high end X, Y, and Z with whatever your craft is. Right. Mm-hmm. There's also the, well, at least for me, there's the intention of just, exploring and creating and and being creative and not i mean taking yourself seriously and taking your craft seriously but being like all right i it's not going to be the refined piece that is going to end up in a museum or that's going to end up in a high-end new york you know small shop right it there's something like i want to create something for the design uh creativity aspect of it even if it's not that great, it, it, even if the final product isn't refined, it's right. I want to express myself through the creative process and explore this, whatever. I don't know. I'm I'm going to I'm going to tag on to this because I think I kind of get where you're going with this because I kind of felt the same way. So one of the things I made the last day over this past weekend was a scrap wood um, cutting board. Mm-hmm. And I decide because i only had short pieces so i couldn't make a board an edge grain board the way i normally do so i made them rotated 90 degrees so that the strips are oriented um, vertically instead of horizontally the board looks sick yeah and i made this beautiful board and i'm looking at it and i'm like well okay so how do i finish this board Mm -hmm. right and i had this slab and i'm like i'm looking at i'm looking at i'm trying to sometimes i'll just look at it for a little while and try to figure out whether i want to chamfer a round over if I want to round the corners on the board, you know, whatever I wanted, I'm, I always try to figure out what would look best for the design. I'm like, you know what will really work really well for this one? Just a really gentle round over right, on the entire board. Just super, like an eighth inch round, like the smallest round over bit that I have. Not a quarter. Mm-hmm. I don't want it to be round. I want it to be 
Almost that you don't, you, you wouldn't notice it. Right. But, but it's there. Right. Like it would look like you hand sanded that round over yeah, onto it. Yeah. So that's what I did. And then I did the corners also, just, just a tiny, tiny little bit. And that board looks angular mm-hmm. and it looks, it looks like a slab. And I'm every time I look at that board, I'm proud of what I did just to to back off, right? To not go crazy with doing a big round over and round in the corners. Like I know, like I have tried to adapt my style and do more different things with boards rather than doing the same round over around the corners. You know, I'm trying to tr- maybe make things feel a little more refined now. Mm-hmm. You know, I like the soft look and people do like that soft look, mm-hmm. but then there are people that really like a nice angular, chunky, you know, manly bricky board. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and I like, I like, I like trying to find that based on the way the board looks. Right. And that's a level of refinement that I'm starting to find in my own work. That's right, making yeah. me very proud of what I'm putting out of my shop. Yeah. No, I, I think that. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Let me, uh, one more, I'll take one more shot at this. Yeah. So I'm thinking about my, like the projects that I've done for YouTube. So I guess, I guess what it comes down to is I've done some videos on my YouTube channel that are very traditional leatherworking projects. Mm -hmm. And I love those. I mean, and to be honest, those are, those do well over time, all that kind of stuff. Like they're very traditional things like uh, the leather catch all um the uh leather stitching video the leather uh leather luggage tags that i just put out those things are very kind of traditional leather projects right and they're those are the things that are like all right this is the traditional kind of classic way of doing those things right mm-hmm. i like those i i do and i think there's a place for them and i enjoy making those videos but I also really like some I mean, some of the projects that get me most excited are things are completely not that right, and they don't necessarily always do well. Like some my one of my favorite YouTube videos or projects is the leather desk clock that I made, and that thing is still under a thousand views. I mean it's it's done horrible on YouTube, but it's it's to me that's like it's 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 a design that I wanted to make, and. I went out there and I did it, right? So there's something to be said, I think, for doing traditional things that are classic and doing things that inspire you. And I think there's a balance of both that is necessary. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yep. And don't don't feel obligated to be inspired by things other people are inspired right. by. Exactly. That's another yeah. thing that I'm having a lot yeah. of issues with. The more the more I make for other people, the more I go. Mm, I want to make that. Right. No, you don't. You want to make that because you saw it and you want to know if you can. And look, hey, challenge yourself, right? If you feel like you need to challenge yourself, I'm not I'm not the guy that's going to sit here and tell you don't challenge yourself. Challenge yourself every day. But do it because you want to do it. Exactly. Don't feel obligated to challenge yourself just because, oh, I'm in a rut. You know, you're going to one, one, one of the craziest designs I did on a board was for um i did a board for a customer and as i was chamfering the board right the maple there was a punky spot in the maple and obviously i can't know that until you start chamfering it and i chamfered it and it just bit and it just ripped a chunk out of the side of this board now 
those of you that don't know the process of making a cutting board, you glue your stuff together, you take it, you take it out of clamps after it's done, you run it through the planer a few times to flatten it, you take it to your sander if you you know your face sander of some kind, and you round your corners or whatever you're going to do, and then you take it to your router and you chamfer or round over or do whatever you're going to do with your with your you know with the edges. Well, this thing just ripped, and I mean it ripped a substantial chunk, like irreparable amount of damage done to this board at the last step and it's like you son of a bitch (laughs) you know and you start thinking like oh god what am i going to do with this what am i going to do with this well what i ended up doing was i took it to the table saw and i embraced the chamfer that was on it and i just chamfered the absolute hell out of the bottom of that board like i'm talking it was like a solid one inch chamfer like it was big and you know what? It looked freaking amazing right, when I was right. done with it. It looked amazing, right? Happy accident. Yeah, exactly. It's that is a total example of a happy accident, right? I didn't, but I wouldn't have even attempted that right. had I not seen so many chamfered boards that look just light and airy and interesting. I was like, you know, it's gonna work. I'm just gonna go with it. I'm gonna, you know, the customer's gonna be happy. Well, turns out the customer not only liked it, the customer freaking loved it. They're like, I've never seen a board like this. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> right. But, you know, I did that because I was inspired by seeing other people just dive into embracing chamfers. Right. Otherwise, if this was me, I don't know, six months ago and I made that board and it tore out like that, I probably would have cut it. Right. And made it a smaller board and just sold it in my shop rather than sending it to the customer. And I would have made yeah, another one for the customer. A coaster. <laughs> I would have made some really thick coasters. <laughs> that'd, be a, that'd be a fun one to make inch and a quarter thick coasters. No one ever does that, you know? You know, I wonder why. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I wonder why. You don't sound terribly practical. No, no. So we have gotten um, a couple of entries already for the Unwrap a Project yeah. Challenge. Yep. Which, well, by the way, they works too, which is awesome to see. They are they've been pretty damn good. Yeah, like we've gotten three really good three entries. We got um final right finished right. Yeah, yeah, three finished entries already. Um, a lot of you have been asking because I haven't updated the website. My fault. Sorry about that. But Ethan and I talked before the podcast, so here's what we're gonna do. Here's what we're gonna do. So the unwrap a project challenge, and I will put I will update the website before this episode drops. So if you go to becausewemake.com and you can just click the unwrap a project challenge, you can see all the details there. We're gonna do the due date is the 21st of February at 11:59 p.m. Eastern. Now, why the 21st? Well, we were gonna make it the middle of February, but it just so happens that the 14th is the week before. And I don't want you guys like spending day the day in your shop on Valentine's Day. Like I, that's the crappy thing to ask people to do. So I think, I think it sounds wonderful, but no, <laughs> well, you know, I could make a joke here I could make a joke <laughs> because I know Beth is listening. I know she'll be listening to this. I could make a joke about Valentine's Day in the shop. <laughs> I won't even do it because I have more class than that. Um, but she knows what I'm thinking and she's probably laughing and she's going to message me as soon as she hears this. But anyway, um, 11.59 p.m. the week after Valentine's Day. So February 21st. And then we are going to do the live stream to announce the winner on the 22nd, which is good because it'll give us a whole day to make sure that we have our crap together. Yeah. Um, I think we will. 
we still don't really know the prizes yet. I, I'm trust us on the prizes; they'll be good. I know we sh- we should have had that sorted. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I thought I would just work on this during the time off, and I just ended up taking time off. So. I, you know, what? I think what the lesson is is that these types of things around the holidays. Yeah. Bad idea. Bad idea. Yeah, exactly. Both, yep. both from our perspective and from people yep. participating. So. And I am really glad, by the way, I am really glad that we have a relationship with our audience where it was a bad idea and they had no problem telling us it exactly. was a bad idea. And, and, they're, and they're still like, all right, we're going to do it. Anyways, yeah. right, right. So now all y'all who were a little worried about not having the time to get it done, you have a lot of time left. For a month. Over a month, we basically rebooted the challenge. And I know that, and and to the the three of you that submitted projects, I'm really, really sorry that we, it it just got a little bit out of control at the end of the year. I'm really sorry that we extended it that far. Thank you so much for bringing your stuff in. And being Um, understanding. Yeah. And yeah, we really do appreciate it. And I just got to say that the two, the three entries we've gotten so far are pretty damn good. And Ethan, I'm just going to tell you, my friend, I love yours. I'm going to kick your ass this time. Nice. Do it. No, I, I, I 100% want you to bring it. I am going to kick. I want to lose. I am going to kick your ass this time. Because I actually have a really funny idea. Awesome. It's going to be fun. Yes. And it's like, it, I don't know about funny, but it's going to be fun. And ah, it's, I love it. I, man. I think I it's going to take off really nicely on the words. And it's going to use one of them very literally. So what, uh, I'm going to do this on the podcast live. So I'm going to, you're going to have to hold me to it, but I think as part of the thank you, I'm going to send out everyone that submits a, one of the, one of the bingo cards. What do you think about that? Ooh, like that. Ooh, I like that idea. Yeah, just as you know, whatever. I like that idea. We have to do another keychain. Yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. Which that's is funny, by the way, because now it's like that's got to be a thing. Now uh, we have to do keychains with everyone. We'll do a bingo card. We'll do a custom keychain or something. And yeah, and then I'll, I'll, I'll make, I'll probably make something else just to throw in there. But yeah, yeah we'll give, we'll give a little, um, little, um, prize package for people that enter. They're not participation trophies, you bastards. Don't even try that crap again, because I'll get pissed off again. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah. <laughs> you guys all still have plenty of time though too like that's yeah. i mean we have over a month so and it's it's, it's really crazy. this is going to be the funnest thing i mean it's i look what i I'm, i'll use i'll use shane as an example because he made um he morley did an amazing puzzle box yeah by the um, way morley, my mom actually re- like messaged me and she's like did you see this thing um so my mom is a big fan of your puzzle box morley just of course of course because morley is morley's just every mom wants their daughter to bring (laughs) home morley let's be honest like morley's one of those guys but devin williamson made a dice game yep Mm -hmm. which was really freaking cool like i wasn't expecting to see a dice game and he has like a whole set of rules and i love it yeah i love it i love it so and shane the the pay, the clothespin game, I, like, I I like legitimately want to play that. To be honest, I know I was sitting there watching them play it, and I'm like, I really want to play that game. I was like, way. I was like, they're not doing very well. I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> crush this. So Shane, that was such a. By the way, the ending of that video was such a Shane yeah. video. 
yeah. like they're sitting there playing it poorly, which was just like, yep, that's a Shane video for you. <laughs> but I love, I love the creativity of the top hat and the, it's just so far the entries have been really good. And it was funny because the last, in the last challenge, the first entries really did set a high bar. Yeah. And now I'm looking at these three and I'm like, wow, these guys really ran with the, uh, really ran with the idea. So well, it also shows you the versatility of this kind of like, again, it can be anything, right? I mean, it, puzzle box, top hat, whatever, you know, I think that's so whatever you want to do. And it doesn't have to be complicated. You know, even if you don't want to win, just have fun and, and participate. I think that's a really it fun. Yeah. Eat, you know, Morley, I just wanted to point out that Morley's puzzle box, um, Morley's puzzle box. The thing I loved about Morley's puzzle box is I live in, I live in New York. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, Two of the th- most art deco oh, things yeah. <laughs> in the world are in, yeah. you know, you got yeah. the Empire State Building lobby mm-hmm. and you got the Chrysler Building. <clears throat> and it's like when I think of art deco, I think of those two things and like just seeing his puzzle box, like the sun, there's a word for that. And I know he, I think he used it in the video, but there's a word for that sun that's in every art deco piece. Yeah. And the, the, the overall design, like I love all that stuff and just seeing it. Like he's, I had, he's screaming at us right now, you know. Oh, I know he's he's punching. He's gonna. I'm gonna get a random message at at, at some random point on, during the day after, as he hears this. He's gonna go, "Yeah, that's called this." And um, <laughs> know what you're talking about before you start talking. Now, Morley wouldn't say that because Morley's too damn nice. He's yeah. Well, he's not an actual Canadian. He's like um like you know one of those transplanted Canadians. <laughs> but he's equally as nice. I'm, I, I'm sure he likes. Uh, well, that's why he's able. See, he's it's it's like camouflage. <laughs> he goes to can he goes to Canada, but you don't know he's not an actual Canadian, right? right. <laughs> he just says sorry a lot, like. <laughs> but yeah, the the entries so far have been great. So that's that's the deal. So just a quick you know recap: the twenty first, eleven fifty nine p.m. Uh, Eastern time for the deadline. And we're going to do the stream on the 22nd. We would love to have you. We had a really good time doing the stream last time. And we'd love to have you join us for another stream. It would be a hell of a lot of fun. Okay. I think we're ready to do our things of the week. Mr. Carter. Um, Can we go first? Yeah, go for it. All right. Mine's a a pretty simple one. But um, so I'm going to put this in the category of you don't need it. Uh, you definitely don't need it, but it's a really nice to have if you do any of it. So, all right. My thing of the week is the Rockler. So Rockler woodworking, uh, Rockler picture hanging keyhole template. Um, so what, what it is if, for people that don't know is, uh, I, I think probably everyone has seen a keyhole, um, mounting bracket. So basically what it is, is it's this thing on the back of like a painting or a picture or whatever. And it's a way to put the uh, screw in and then there's a slot that it slides into and it mounts it on the wall. Is that a okay explanation? That's about as good as you're going to be able to explain without showing it to somebody. All right, all right. <laughs> so anyways, so Rockler sells this uh, jig and, and accessories that you can cut your own into anything, any kind of wood or picture frame that you're working on. And it's basically a uh, acrylic template with uh, a bushing and a router bit that you basically makes perfect keyhole mounting brackets. So I got one for uh, Christmas and I've been, I use it on, if, if you guys follow me on Instagram, I made these uh, Jackson hole um, trail signs uh, a couple weeks ago 
and I've been wanting to mount them on the wall. And I got this for Christmas and I used it and it's, it's so, so easy to use. It's like a, a super, um, super flawless way of making keyhole mounting brackets. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what it is. I know it sounds really hard to understand. Go check it out though. Um, it's really, really useful and yeah, I like it a lot. So can, can I just ask one question? I'm looking yeah. at the picture, right? How does it stay on? How does it stay on the workpiece? Like, does it have like sticky feet, or do you stick it down, or do you yeah, clamp? So, uh, you can use double sided tape, okay, uh, or a clamp, but don't use a clamp. You can use double sided tape, or my preferred method. And actually, I might put out a video either tomorrow or Wednesday, probably tomorrow, um, of me using these, so you'll be able to see it. But I use the double sided, I mean, the blue tape and super glue method. So I oh, put. Okay. Uh, Blue tape on the template and on the piece of wood. Put mm-hmm. a little super glue. Use some accelerator and use that to ha- uh, hold it in place, and then peels right up. So, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes that actually makes sense. I'm I'm tell you what. I never thought I never heard of using this that method for anything until I got my CNC. Mm-hmm. And it's like this is like magic. It's By so- the way. If it's, anyone can explain to me why it actually works, I'd be very interested to know because I don't understand why it works. It's, it's it, To me, it's better than double-sided tape because double-sided tape leaves that residue on each piece. I hate double-sided tape. Yeah, I, I really tape. do. I, to me, this is maybe – it's, maybe it's a little more expensive because you're using blue tape and super glue, but it's, it works so much better in my opinion. I just don't understand how it works. I'm not going to lie. I'm not trying to be facetious. I'm not trying to be clever. I'm not trying to be witty. I legitimately do not understand how it works. I don't understand why masking tape, which comes off the thing you put it on if you look at it the wrong way, (laughs) somehow manages. These two things together. Yeah, no, that's actually a really good point, but it does. It It does. I use it it for for this. I use it for a, a, a ton of other things. Well, to me, that's I, the, the best, best method, to be honest. I'm one of many people who use it to fixture stuff to their CNC when they're oh, yeah. cutting. Oh, no, yeah. I, I totally. All the time. Yeah. yeah. If I'm going to cut something and I don't want to deal with tabs, but I'm going to cut through the wood and cut it free, I need to fixture the whole thing down so it right. stays put. And I've done that, you know, and it works great. It, it's just, I don't understand. Yeah, no, I, I, I keep I, saying I don't understand it, but I'm not being facetious. Really, if you can like explain how to me, that hold, how's that hold so strong enough to make to hold things in place I mean, for that, but not to peel it up, right? Like, I can get paint underneath the tape if I paint the wrong way, right, but I right. can't get like I've had to actually go to the wasteboard of my CNC and go at the material I'm cutting with a dead blow hammer to just <laughs> give it a shot just to crack it loose. Yeah. Like, I don't understand, but okay. Hey, yeah, but it cool. works. So it does. So that that's actually a really good. I never thought to use that for templates. Now you oh, have me thinking. Oh, oh, uh, yeah. You know, I mean, uh, well, I don't think we've mentioned him, but uh, Bruce, no, I was just going to say, I know what you're going to mention because I was like, oh, wait, yes, I have seen people do that. Yeah. Go ahead. Bruce and uh, <laughs> coffee, coffee. Um, but they, <clears throat> they use them for their CNC. I mean, not their CNC for router, routering mm-hmm. out their uh, cutting boards and stuff like that. They use that for their templates and it works so well. So it does work so well. I use it when I, when I flatten a cutting board um, on the CNC, I actually use it. I use it to just hold it down. I've used, um, I've used it like when I make coasters, if I don't feel like dealing with tabs or if they're an odd shape, Mm -hmm. like I don't want, I could just put that down. I know that when the coaster is free from the material around it, 
it's not going to come flying out of the CNC or become a projectile, which you're always worried about with the CNC is projectiles. Right. right. Good stuff. That's a good, that's a good little jig. I might, if I, I didn't know this existed, but now it's like, okay, if I'm going to do this in the future, I'm probably just going to pick this up. So it's one of those things like it's, like I said, it's not necessary, but if, if you're, if you're selling things where you want people to be able to mount them on the wall, it's actually a really nice little feature. I think. I would say that's probably accurate. It looks like it. I mean, it's just a cool idea. And you have to, if you don't, just so you know, I mean, if you buy this thing, you do have to get bushings for your router. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole the whole package is, I think, about thirty bucks. So the there's the template, there's the bushing, and there's the um, bit. So mm-hmm. I think the whole thing's around thirty bucks. Yep. And yeah, and yeah, there you go. Cool. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, one of the things I did in our time off is I got really into YouTube. <laughs> Go figure. But I got really into YouTube. I found a whole bunch of new creators, like a whole bunch of people that I'd never heard of. And aside from my a new obsession, which is scam baiting, which means I'm watching nothing but Kit Boga videos on loop for hours <laughs> on end. Which Kit Boga, if you've never watched Kit Boga, it just you could watch like his videos are like 40 minutes long and they don't feel like 40 minutes long. Like you're enjoying it the whole time. Um, there's another, uh, trilogy media, which does like documentary style scam investigations, which is really cool. And scammer payback. That's the other one. The guy's name is pierogi. He's a computer software, um, computer security engineer. Like guys, a freaking real badass computer dude. And he, they bust these scammers and they, they just keep them like talking for hours and they troll them and torture them. Satisfying. (laughs) Wonderful to watch. Watching them break down as they realize they're not going to get anything out is just the greatest thing in the world. I love watching these scammers just crack. Um, But that's not what I'm going to actually talk about. That's not my thing of the week. My thing of the week is a new YouTube creator to me though. And his name is Ian. He goes by Brutal Moose. (laughs) I know that's the greatest name ever. Brutal Moose. He does. Um, he's a real retro. He's into retro stuff like retro technology, um, t- old TV shows. And so his, his channel is a crazy mix of like old TV shows, old, old commercials. Right. And like he's been doing like frozen meal reviews. I know this sounds like the most ridiculous channel you've ever the guy is hysterical. He's got a great vibe to it. The channel is, it's, there's a certain, he, there's an intentional cheesiness to the channel. Right, right. Which he knows he's what doing he's doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's doing it on purpose, right? right? He's making it cheesy. So like when he does, he does what he calls um, mystery tapes. And mystery tapes are tapes that are sold as blank. So you go on eBay and you buy um, a tape that's been recorded over a few times and it's sold as blank, which means that they're not looking at what's on the tape. The tape is sold meant to be recorded over. So you're not selling tape with content on it. It's a kind of a loophole in the copyright. But there might be something on there. Right. Right. There's always something on it. That's the brilliance of it. So he'll get these tapes and he'll sit there and he'll analyze the tape and he'll show you what's on the tape. And it's really, really fun to watch. Like a lot of times he'll pull up a tape and it's from like the late eighties and there's like an hour's worth of commercials on there. And if you don't think that sounds interesting, just watch one of the videos. It's, it's fascinating. He pointed out, he pointed out one of the things he pointed out, which was really funny was he like, he was watching an episode of something or other. And every commercial was either soda 
or candy. Hmm. And it's like, think about the commercials as they are now. That doesn't happen anymore. Like, we're only talking like maybe a difference of like 15, 20 years. And it just doesn't happen anymore. Like, you don't see the level of junk food on TV that you used to see. You right. just don't. It's not there. And like commercials for junk food and, you know, just all these weird misogynist commercials. And it's like, it's just, and it's not, it's not uncomfortable in a bad way. It's uncomfortable in a really funny way. Like, like, wow, this was the norm. It's so weird. And you see, you know, the hairstyles and the clothes and every once in a while, he'll have a whole TV show. Like he had never watched an episode of Xena Warrior Princess. (laughs) And he was talking about the show. He's like, wow, I never got to watch this before. And it's actually halfway decent, you know, and it's just a really fun channel. It's another one of those. You can just sit there and watch. Like I sat there one night, I think I sat down on the couch at like seven o'clock and I watched until like midnight, just video after video after video of this guy. He's really talented. I, I wish I could figure out an angle to get him on this show because I would love to pick his brain for like an hour. He's one of the guys that takes the most mundane subjects and makes really cool it videos it, about them. Right. And makes it funny and mm-hmm. at the same time. Yeah. So yeah, the guy's name is brutal, Mu- brutal moose. And I will have that link in the show notes so you can find him. He's awesome. really funny. Yeah, definitely. definitely check him out. Um, I think that's going to do it for our return, our grand return, Ethan. I know. We are officially back. <laughs> we 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 did it. We did it. We had no idea. We didn't even talk today. Like, yeah. what are we going to talk about? We did not talk. I think it literally it, it consisted of you send me, are you ready for tonight? Party time. And I said, born ready. And then... And then we started recording. So <laughs> literally that's our conversation. Yeah. So. <laughs> but uh, next week I, I'm pretty sure. And I got to confirm with her, but I think we have a guest for next week, a very interesting guest. So if you're looking to design your own stuff for your projects, you're probably going to want to listen to next week. If we have a guest next week, it's going to be this person. And I'm telling you, you're going to learn a lot from her. She's a fantastic, fantastic teacher. So we're going to, going to have another one of those going to learn something episodes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> everybody bring your pen and paper when yeah, you listen exactly. to this one. <laughs> I'll just be silent. <laughs> well, you know, I'll, well, hopefully the guest will do all the talking because exactly. we wouldn't want to be accused of not letting the guest speak. Uh, right. And don't think I forgot about you, my friend. I, I still remember your stupid review. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening, everybody. I'm, it's good to be back. We are back. We probably won't be taking any more time off until next Christmas, which is kind of the way we do this. Um, and I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. I hope you had a great holiday. And I hope you're looking forward to a whole bunch of episodes because you're about to get some. And until then, have a great week. We will be back next time. Bye.